Hello and welcome to the Deeper Eye podcast. I am Lara Ferris, your host. For many years, I have been passionate about self-improvement. Through this, I have met the best specialists in their field who have given me tools and the courage to pursue a new path. The purpose of this podcast is to share with you everything I have learned through the conversations I have had with these amazing people. I hope these conversations will impact your life as they did to mine. Today, I am joined by Andrew Wallace. I'm so grateful for my conversations with Andrew. We have started last week with the first law of the seven spiritual laws of success. Today, we will talk about the law number two, the law of giving and receiving. I look to find things about Andrew so I don't repeat every week the same things about him. And I found out today that Andrew, at the age of 28, was the CEO of a major financial organization that he sold for 52 million pounds. And after that, he felt still a lack of fulfillment. And that was followed by a major meltdown and a powerful personal awakening. This led him to study for a degree in theology and a master's in psychology. He then opened a clinical practice helping and supporting individuals, and he devised a set of guiding principles which he's practicing and teaching for over 40 years now. He wrote several books, The Call of the Search, The Business Alchemy, and his book, Intention, and also his online programs, Andrew helps people to create radical transformation in their work and their lives. And I have personally experienced that with him. Thank you for being with us. And I really hope that you will enjoy my conversation with Andrew about the law of giving and receiving. Good morning, Andrew, and thank you for being with me again for episode two of the Seven Law of Success, Deepak Chopra. Today is a very interesting law. It's the law of giving and receiving. So I was wondering if we could start simply by talking about the difference between real giving and people-pleasing giving, which is generally the second form of giving the people pleasing is generally expecting something in return. I think it's very important to understand the difference. So the most important element of giving is the intention behind the giving. And as with a lot of other things, it's Mm. sometimes easier to look at the ways in which giving is not true giving. It's a little bit like love. You know, I always say that 90% of what people refer to when they talk about love is probably not love. So if we take giving as an example, some people use giving as a way of controlling. Some employers do this, that uh, all of the big corporations in the city, organisations like Goldman Sachs, like Freshfields, 
the big law firms, they now have beds in the offices so people can sleep for two or three hours and then go back to their desk. So when you work for those big corporations, they own you. And so they might give you large salaries, they might give you big bonuses, but giving is a way of controlling. And of course, parents do this and grandparents do this. So this is not really true giving. Another way of giving, and the same everything I'm saying applies to giving, it also applies to love, by the way. Another way of giving is from a a neediness. So we give to others because we're very needy and we want something back from them. It's our neediness that causes us to overgive. That's a little bit like people-pleasing. You know, I have some people-pleasing in me, and lots of people are sort of compulsive people-pleasers. It's their neediness that is leading them to constantly give out. And a more generic form of that is any form of giving that is done with the intention of getting something back is kind of faulty, a little bit faulty. So sometimes... And it's a two-way thing. Sometimes we give something to someone and the person that's giving it automatically feels this compulsion to give something back. And what that means is they're not very accomplished at receiving. So, Mm. you know, to truly receive means that it's not necessary to give something back. Another form of giving, and I'm just running through these because I think We can all recognise them and it's helpful to see what true giving is not, is giving something with conditions. So we might say to someone, we're going to give you this, but we only want you to use it on holiday, or we're going to give you this, but you have to decorate it a certain way. Or, you know, there's lots and lots of different ways that we can do that. Another way, which is quite subtle, of giving something which is not true giving is we might give something because we want to earn brownie points to get into heaven or brownie points. You know, again, this is effectively giving something to someone else. Another form of giving that's a little bit suspect is when we give from sacrifice. If if I go into sacrifice and I give something out, I'm always going to resent it later. So it's, it's a pretty unhelpful form of giving. And, you know, with love itself, somebody once said, I can never remember who, that every time we say to someone, I love you, I love you, what we're really saying is, please love me, please love me. So I don't want to be too purist about this, but it's helpful because we've all had the experience of giving something to someone when we absolutely know that we want nothing in return. We don't, you know, we give something we watch the person's face light up or we give something anonymously and the person we're giving to doesn't know where it's come from and we just get a real deep sense of pleasure that we've supported that person in some way or or we've given them a moment of real joy. And so we need to bring awareness to our giving and if we're giving compulsively, then again, there's the absence of choice. So the intention behind giving is really, I want to give freely to other people. And I particularly want to give others what I most want to receive myself. The closest feeling to this, what you're describing, is the one we have with with our children. And Mm. even there, 
It's not always the case. I caught myself many times feeling, oh my God, with everything I'm doing, my son can't even smile when he sees me or something like that, you mm -hmm. know, I, But, but I have to say, most of the time, as a mother, and I'm sure many mothers can relate to this, you do give with expecting nothing in return. But it's really difficult to do this all the time with everyone and everything. Is it consciousness, again, there, the base of being able to to practice and reach that level of giving and receiving? Yes. Is it being aware of of that that gets you there it's all consciousness and awareness because in a way we have to become aware of the faulty motives or the faulty intention yeah. in order to shift into a more reliable intention and you know another aspect of this that you touched on is in our society in western society We live in a very materialistic society and we're not too far coming up to Christmas. And I, I always have a, a struggle with Christmas because we have uh, commercialized it. There's mm. families up and down the country that are spending money on credit cards that they yeah. can't afford. They haven't got for the latest pair of trainers that are being advertised on the television, all of that stuff. And actually Christmas is really, it's a religious celebration of new light coming into the world. Yeah. And whether you're religious or not, it's a great time to celebrate new birth and renewal on every form. But just to give you an example, in my family of origin And in my time as a parent to my children, it was very easy to give materially. You know, I had money, I had financial resources. So mm. it was relatively easy to give an expensive gift. In fact, I did buy my daughter. It's, it's, tomorrow is my daughter's 30th birthday. And I did spend a day with her in London and I bought her an expensive camera, which gave her and me a lot of pleasure. And that yeah. was... I think that was very honourable and it came from the right place. But in the past, I've given gifts. And I always used to say to people that I found it much easier to give money to charities than to give my time. I always admired people that went to work in soup kitchens or dedicated a lot of time and energy to caring for the elderly or the disabled or whatever it is. And I'm not suggesting I didn't beat myself up for that, but I was just aware that giving money was relatively easy for me. For someone without a lot of money, of course, that's not the case. So it's just as you're suggesting, Lara, it's bringing awareness and consciousness to the area of giving. And for me, the most difficult form of giving that I encountered was when my children were little yeah. and I had an intellectual intention to be very present to them and spend time with them. It was one of the most difficult things in the world to sit with six-month-olds or two-year-olds and really be present to them. And that is yeah. an incredible form of giving. Yes, yes. What's the point where you don't fall into people-pleasing and being uh, taking advantage of... Because people-pleasing is in the giving form mm. and taking advantage of people is just, you know, accepting to receive, receive, receive. 
And uh, again, the one thing that comes to my mind is to be conscious of it and be truthful to yourself. Whatever you're giving or receiving, do it with an awareness of the exchange, I guess, would you say? I'd agree with you 100%. I think you're spot on. I think there's two parts to it. The first part is the awareness. We need to have the honesty, the self-honesty and the awareness to say, you know what, I really gave that because I wanted the person to like me or I gave them somebody something, I wanted a thank you note in return or I, I gave them something because I wanted them to come to my party or whatever it is, it's just the awareness. And the second thing is really not to beat ourselves up or be critical with ourselves if 70% of the giving is conditional because actually we all do that all the time and it's just learning. The, The only difference, and I'm sure we'll come on to this now, the only difference is that if we're giving from an unsatisfactory motive, like trying to control or trying to get something back, then the law of the universe doesn't work so well. So what comes back is not so pure. It's a little bit like if you give something to control something, someone, you're more likely to get back a gift that's trying to control you. That's how the universe works. It can't be otherwise. So the more we give freely the more free giving comes back to us. And the reason for this is really simple. It's like the laws of physics, that if you take the law of gravity, you know, what goes up must come down. Yes. There's no other way. Or or you take, you know, what goes out must come back. So actually, it's a really, really simple law, this. It's a simple dynamic. We live in a dynamic universe where these things are always in movement. They, they're they not static. So, you know, if we want to receive love, then learning to love other people, it's a practice. It takes time. It takes resilience. It takes discipline. I always say love is like golf. People who are good at golf spend four hours a day on the golf course, at least maybe six hours a day. So yeah. we need to practice these things. But it is incredibly simple that whatever you want to receive in your life, start giving it to other people. And I guarantee you, it is a guarantee that that's what will come back to you. It makes me think of relationships as well. Like, you know, we very often in a relationship, we just give, give, give. And the other person just doesn't give back in the same way you're giving. I guess it's to sit with that way of giving that you are committed to in a relationship and just be completely honest with yourself to realize why you have been given this. I guess the answer is there. If you are giving it from a place of expecting things in in return, it's it's difficult to understand because the point of this law is whatever you give will come back to you. And at the same time, you can't give with expecting that. Exactly. You that, see, this yeah. is where <laughs> yeah. I'm, I step in, in and out of understanding it. But I think I do, when it's clear to me, when it becomes a bit clearer to me, it's when I remember the process of accepting yourself for who you truly are. You know, it's a little bit the same process. Because 
like when we talk very often about being triggered by somebody who's very hypocritical towards you. It's only when you accept that you as well can have hypocrisy in you that you start, you know, accepting the whole of you and you, you stop being triggered by this other person. It's a little bit the same process, I think. I don't know if we can just find another example, but this yeah, law I... of giving and receiving is just pretty powerful once you get to the bottom of it. I think there's a very good example, and I, I'm really glad that you've brought this up, Laura, because in my experience clinically and sort of professionally and also personally, this is probably the single thing that people find most difficult to understand. So let me use an analogy. If we're triggered and we have a very uncomfortable feeling, so for you, it might be rejection. For me, it might be humiliated. For someone else, it might be overlooked or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. unacknowledged. Whatever that feeling is, we everyone listening to this will know that they have certain situations and certain scenarios where they're in extreme distress. And it's often a, a visceral reaction. It's a somatic reaction. It's in the body. And it's like your body mind is going crazy. And this is what we often refer to when we say someone's triggered. And it's quite a good expression because it's like someone's pulled the trigger yes. and you feel shot. Now, one of the teachings, which has nothing to do with today's session, but one of the teachings that people find very difficult to practice is anything, any feeling, anything fully experienced is transformed. So what I've practiced over many, many years, many decades, is if you're in a particular feeling of extreme rejection or extreme anger or whatever it is, if you're willing to fall down into the center of that feeling, I always talk about, you've heard me say it many times, it's like being willing to drown in that experience, to literally drown and not come back in that experience. If you do that, and on the occasions when I've done that, within about 15 seconds, the whole experience has passed. And if you try to get it back, you can't get it back. Now, I've had that experience time and time again, but it is incredibly difficult to do that when you're in the experience. But here's the distinction. If you fall into the experience wanting to transform it, then it doesn't work. Yeah. Because what's happening is you're not fully experiencing it. You're conditional. It, you're only willing to experience it conditionally on the, on the experience going away. And that doesn't work. So you have to be willing to drown in the experience completely without any thought of transformation or change. And then it's instant. Now, it's exactly the same with giving. That if I give to you because I want to receive back, then it doesn't really work. We play a game with each other where we're operating. It's a little bit like many relationships in the world are what we would call superficial. You know, we go to dinner parties, we, we might see people regularly, and we have a sort of surface relationship. And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. If you and I are in the business of giving to receive, we're having a superficial giving and receiving relationship, which is fine. Yeah. But if you really want to understand 
the principle and how it operates in the universe. And more importantly, if you want to receive abundance in everything of your dreams, you want to receive great health, you want to receive great love, you want to receive great relationships, great friendships, you want to receive joy in your life every day, you want to receive etc, etc, etc. Then the way to do that is to give freely without condition. And that's mm. anyone who's ever tried that knows that it works. Yeah. So basically, it's just being convinced, coming from the real deeper side of you, that that's how you want to live. You exactly. want to give a smile. Like if somebody needs help on your way, you're willing to stop and give five, ten minutes of your time to help this person genuinely. Not expecting your neighbor to say, oh, my God, how amazing she is to be stopping and helping this person. Just everything comes back to consciously doing something because you know that is aligned with who you truly are. That's the real form of giving. And that raises another really interesting issue that in 12-step groups, They have something called Just For Today card. And many, many years ago, 30 years ago, I used to practice this uh, every day for a year. And they say, just for today, I will do three things that nobody knows about. And so taking your example, if there's uh, someone on the street who's begging or hungry, mm. if you take them into a cafe and you buy them a meal mm. and you chat to them and you're genuinely interested in how they got there, if you go away and tell everybody you meet, you've kind of sabotaged the giving. Exactly. If you can just contain that within yourself and have the experience of, I feel good about myself because... I genuinely was present to that individual in a way maybe nobody else had been for several weeks or several months. It's exactly the same, actually, as being present to your children. I really want to emphasize this. It's not about a moral evaluation. Yeah. This is not about morality. It's not about good or bad. It's about a simple dynamic. It's an energetic dynamic within the universe. It's like gravity. You know, if something goes up and you drop it, it comes down. There's no morality about mm -hmm, that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's the same with this. And what is fun about this, what, what is amazingly good fun about this, is to practice a giving in different ways. I had a client once that was fairly financially secure, and she was very, very good at giving material gifts. Yeah. And I suggested to her that she gave people poems instead. <laughs> that she wrote out very lovely poems. And she found it incredibly difficult to do that. Yeah. But wh why do you think is that? Like there must be something behind it. If probably it's because all life journey, you know, you're used to be corresponding to a certain way of giving. Like, for example, that's my strength. I'm going to give through where I feel strong. Yeah, I think there's there's lots of different reasons and lots of layers. It's like a geological strata. So, for example, one of the things I was talking about earlier today to my daughter, whose birthday it is tomorrow, mm. is how difficult it is to give things people that you wouldn't enjoy yourself. So, for example, and we're all familiar with this, you know, my wife, Anna, 
loves receiving a voucher to Space and K. Yeah. And therefore she gives vouchers to other people. Now, Mm -hmm. for me personally, I never like that. Mm -hmm. And the reason I don't like it is I always feel that not much thought has gone into it. I feel that someone hasn't thought about it. They've just got me a voucher. And yet someone else could then counter. Actually, Mm -hmm. someone else is saying rather than impose their ideas of what you want, they're giving you a choice to go and choose. So it's it, even that is multi, multi-layered. Yeah. But then, so for you, you like nice things, you like mm. nice clothes, you nice like handbags. So you imagine that everyone else will like those things. And this is very deeply ingrained. You know, I love books. I have yeah. a passion for books. So I love giving books to other people. And then there's another layer below that which is sort of these things are very habitual so we we grow up in families every family of origin has different ways of giving and in my family of origin extravagant presence was the dominant way to give yeah and and so I grew up with that and I learned that and I still sometimes give extravagant presents you know I, I enjoyed buying my daughter this camera yesterday yeah so you know, a lot of it is habitual. And Mm -hmm. and one of the things that's most difficult, I personally think present giving and even exchanging cards with people is an incredibly insightful and intimate process. I, I often spend an hour looking for a card for a particular person because I want the card, I want the card to meet them with who they are and where they are. And it's it's the same with um, present giving. Sometimes we get it spectacularly wrong. uh, And sometimes we give something that you just see the tears and the eyes well up. And and what's that saying is the person feels seen. They feel acknowledged. They feel understood. It's like the person giving has met them for who they are. We've all had that experience. It's a very beautiful experience. So this is a practice field. It's about learning about giving, learning about receiving, Mm -hmm. because once we learn this, we see how it works. Yes. Every time I hear you talk about this, what I realize it's we have to focus on the flow that goes yeah. into this. It's the flow. Hundred percent beautiful. Non blocking, like oh, I've given too much. I'm gonna stop giving for the rest of my life, and that's what blocks the flow. Is to continue to realize that actually it's wanting to open your heart and just really give from the real, true self rather than giving from the self who is constantly worried and fearful of not getting anything back. This is an absolutely brilliant point that you make, Mm. Lara. And I think it's also, interestingly, I think it's embodied in Deepak Chopra's work in Mm. the first Law of the Universe. But I was talking to my wife this morning and we were saying that the word affluence actually comes from a Latin word, affluere, which yeah. means to flow. So mm-hmm. affluent is, is based in flowing. If, if for someone to be affluent, it needs to flow. In exactly the same word, a way, currency, the word we use for uh, money, currency comes from a Latin word, curare, which also means to run or to flow. 
And one of the things that happened in 2018, we reached, we were very, very close to a financial global shutdown, meltdown. And people who were at the centre of government and central banks realised how close we were to falling over. And the reason we were, we nearly fell over, and this will be the reason that the financial system collapses in the future if it does, Uh is that, um, first of all, Lehman Bank went down and people thought Lehman Banks would be saved. It was too big to fail. And then rumours started about all sorts of other banks. I remember reading that Deutsche Bank was suspect. And so... The financial system relies on something called interbank lending, that the banks lend billions of dollars to each other every single day of the year. And what happened because of the rumours is banks stopped lending to each other. Mm. And central governments stepped in and created trillions of dollars of funding to replace that interbank lending. But the the um, the crisis occurred because of a lack of flow of money in the banking system. And yeah. if you think about it, you know, if, if you're a director of uh, Citibank or Citigroup or whatever, and there's a, a rumour about the solvency of another bank, you'd be very unwise to make huge loans to them. So it's exactly the same in companies and families and individuals who hoard money or possessions or hoard love, people who hold on to things and are not generous-spirited. I love people who are generous-spirited. I, I know a lot of people in my life, including you, you have the most amazing generosity of spirit. And there's, there's other people who are very mean-spirited. Hmm. And, and the problem for them is none of it's ever going to come back to them because they're holding on to it too, hmm. too tightly. I just want to say one thing before I, I let you go and just to underline all what you're saying. Thank you for the compliment, first of all, of being generous, you know, with the spiritual way of giving. Uh, I was on a, a train ride uh, yesterday coming back, you know, from France. And I don't know if you took the Eurostar from Paris. At some point, you have hundreds of people that are kind like in a funnel. They have to go all in one line to go on the escalator to reach the train. And every time I used to be so annoyed at people rushing with their suitcases, you know, just pushing you as if the we're all going to the same place. Like we're eventually going to reach the train. And I used to be really annoyed, extremely upset, you know, and I would just say something or push with my suitcase, etc. And for the first time, Andrew, yesterday, I don't know if it's because I'm reading several times over this amazing book that you told me to, to read the seven uh, spiritual law of success. But Something came to me and I just suddenly, genuinely opened my heart to that person pushing me with her suitcase all the way down to the thinking. All she's doing is responding to her own fear to either miss the train or I don't know what other reason she might have. It reminds me also of the story you said about these children on the train 
acting out yeah. with the father who just lost his wife in the hospital. And suddenly this natural compassion that comes to you, looking at this really stressed person, even though she's pushing you over and something happens, I don't know if she feels your, how can I call it, your calm, your understanding, your compassion, and everything just settles down. It's like a wave, you know, that just suddenly disappears. And it's just incredible. That's a form of giving, I think. It's a wonderful example. And I remember a couple of years ago going to the cinema. I can't remember the film I saw, but I was sitting in the cinema and there was a family with three or four children behind yeah. me. And one of these children was kicking the seat behind me. Yeah. And it, I could feel a little jarring in my back. Uh, and I sort of half turned around very politely, very nicely. And I said, look, I, I'm really sorry, but please, could you stop kicking the, the yeah. seat? It's it's creating discomfort for me and I can't concentrate on the film. Yeah. And then 30 seconds later, it just started again. Yeah. And I turned around quite fiercely <laughs> And I said, look, I've asked you nicely. I said, if you don't stop, I'm going to get someone and get you removed from the cinema. And there was a woman about three seats on and she said, is there a problem? And I said, yes. And I turned round, and this child was a disabled child that had no voluntary movement. Oh. You know, and of course, I said, look, I'm so sorry. I apologize. Please just continue. Oh. And I then turned around and I said, please kick the chair as often as you like. You know? <laughs> and I genuinely meant it because yeah. in that situation, I felt extremely fortunate that that was not me or my child. And I really wanted that child to enjoy their experience. Yeah. And, and once you experience that, just as you said, it, it's a deep insight into the nature of giving. Uh -huh. And people have said it in, in so many different ways that we don't know what's going on with someone else. That You know, if, if somebody is suddenly shouting at us, yeah. it, it's not that we have to make that okay, but it's just we, the generosity of spirit is saying, please don't do that, I, you know, to walk away, but to send them a blessing yeah. and to give them a blessing because we don't know what's going on in their life. And that is the, one of the most powerful forms of giving imaginable. Unbelievable, yes. Just to go further in that story, because I'll feel bad not saying it. When I was a hmm. new mom, like I had three kids under five, one of the best thing I, I wanted to do is take my kids to uh, musicals or theater. And one of my three children at the time was extremely active, like he couldn't sit still. I had to have either something for him to, to eat while he's sitting down or uh, he had to really love the play, which I couldn't predict, you know, because sometimes we would go to musicals and he didn't like it. So he was kicking and uh, just standing and sitting. And then I used to make the snacks and things that don't make too much noise, you know, because that's another thing. And one day, this person gave me the biggest lesson of all, and I would never forget her, ever. She turned around and she smiled at me. She said, a congratulations on having the courage of taking three kids like that to the theater. I know it'll be easier for me to try and find another seat and quicker than trying to make you stop your son from kicking me. And that's a son who is not disabled, 
He didn't have anything, <laughs> you know. But that was such a beautiful way of acting yeah. that it actually made me want to really find a way to uh, make, his, you know, my son just stop doing that. That's on that note. I just had to tell you this because I find her, her reaction beautiful. I think it's another lovely portal into the fact that there are inspiring people yeah. that we're going to encounter every day. You know, we operate in a world where the newspapers and the television and the media and social media love to talk about the negative stuff. Mm-hmm. And actually... There are inspiring people doing amazing things, really simple things all the time. And I want to learn from those people and and come alongside those people. And I want to say one other thing, Lara, I don't think we touched on this uh, adequately, but when we practice giving and receiving, it's really important to understand the giving and the receiving does not come back from the same place. So that woman who gave something really magical, something might come back to her from a completely different scenario with different people. It's not like it's the opposite of people who are giving conditionally that, you know, I give you a present, I want you to give me a present. It's not like that at all. Mm. It's we give through a generosity of spirit and then we open ourselves to receiving from wherever the universe chooses to meet us. And that's how this works. So the compassion she showed towards me, her choice to look at what I was doing right rather than criticizing my way of raising my son by letting him kick her seat will come back to her in many different ways. Many different ways. Amazing. It'll come back as compassion. So she will be able to receive compassion from others in very, very different situations. Beautiful. I love this. Yeah, me too. It gives so much courage and hope and everything. The thing is that we're all novices, genuinely. Mm -hmm. We're novices. We're learning this. We come together. We learn it together. We encourage each other. We're honest with each other. And we're evolving together. It's wonderful. Wonderful. I was just looking at the title of the third law, the law of karma or cause and effect that we will talk about hopefully next week. It makes me think that what's beautiful in these seven laws is Deepak turned them into seven, but they all so linked one to another, like you were saying at the beginning, because it always comes back to the same thing, like everything is linked. Everything is about, it starts with the awareness and consciousness and the authenticity. So I really look forward to the third law, to discussing the third law with you next week. And thank you so much, Andrew, for explaining deeper and even more all these laws with me for people to understand them and benefit from them. Well, thank you for creating the platform, Lara. Thank you, Andrew. I'll see you next week. All right. Bless you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation with Andrew Wallace about the law of giving and receiving from the Deepak Chopra book, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. I look forward to episode three, It will be the law of karma or the law of cause and effect. I hope you will share this 
episode with as many people as you feel would resonate with this conversation. And we truly look forward to see you next time.